it's time to experience the Synergy Connection Show with your host, Lucy Forsting. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Synergy Connection Show, where we try to help you understand the complexity of who you actually are by looking at the spiritual component, the physical component, the intellectual component, and the emotional component. And when we keep all of those areas in balance, your life can be incredibly rewarding. But when any one of them is out of balance, and especially if it's significantly out of balance, like the physical, um, the rest of it is really, really tough, you know, to get that life going that you really want, uh, or as I say, uh, living your best life. Uh, So before we get started with the show, which is going to be with my returning guest, Keith Long, um, I want to remind everybody that the shows are all archived on uh, SynergyConnectionRadio.com. And I believe there's close to 350 shows there now. Um, So what you would want to do is just scroll through the pages and look at the synopsis of each show and my guest and see if there aren't quite a few that you might want to bookmark for listening to down the road. Also on that website, there is Boomers Forever Young, And I've been using the Boomer products for over seven years now, all the way through the pandemic. I know that that is one of the things that kept me incredibly healthy. And I remind everybody on every single show that there are two numbers that you absolutely need to know. So when you go for your physical, you need to ask your doctor when he's running the labs to find out what your D as in dog three test is and your C-reactive protein. The D3, Harvard, Cleveland Clinic, all of these places that do amazing research are recognizing more and more, especially after the pandemic, that you need to have a number that is above 70. Mine is sitting at 100. The range on the D3 is actually from about 35 to 100. So you can see that if you're in the lower um, numbers, you don't have nearly the opportunity to keep your body safe because D3 is your immune system. And so taking a good D3, um, I recommend people be using, if, especially if their number is under 70, start using 10,000 international units. And when it gets up to 70, you can drop to five and maintain. But you need to have your numbers at least at 70 or above. The C-reactive protein is your level of inflammation. Every disease begins with inflammation. So that number needs to be below 0.5. Mine is sitting at 0.1. So there is very little inflammation in my body, which is the way I want to keep it. Um, So that is, those are two critical tests. If you do not ask for them, your doctor will not order them. So please ask your doctor to order them. They're covered by insurance. They just seem to drop those uh, tests about 10 years ago. And there's different theories as to why, but I won't go into that. Um, So uh, if you get on their website, look at their testimonies, look at their blogs, look at their videos. And if you uh, determine that you're gonna order something, If you use my first name, L-U-C-Y, in the discount code, you're going to get $5 off. And that would be each and every order when you do that. 
All right. So I've climbed on my soapbox about health because that is one of our four legs of keeping our life in balance. And believe me, you probably know that if somebody isn't healthy, it's really hard for them to have anything else going well in their life. So I have, like I said, as a returning guest, uh, Keith Long, and we're going to have fun with today's show because it's about his new book, Zanny the Nanny. And uh, Keith is a Harvard journalist on call. So um, that's how you can find him if you want to talk to him personally or have him as a guest, maybe at one of your meetings. And um, so we're going to talk today about the family cover up uh, that was going on prior to Kaylee Anthony's demise and uh, realizing uh, as he was the journalist that was involved for a lot of this that there were missing pieces of information. And so he's put together this uh, wonderful book uh, that uh, is, I believe, Keith, you said it's uh, audio taping next week. Yeah, audio book version. Uh, also a um, ebook and then a print book is available uh, right away. Okay. So I think, uh, I, I don't know whether driving a car anymore, are you do cars even have audio tapes available? Yeah, almost everybody uses, uh, and they're digital. And so this is a this will be a digital file which they can access on their uh, uh, console for radio. Okay. And uh, uh, most people listen while they're driving, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I listen to podcasts while I'm driving because yeah. it's certainly all of a sudden you're just there wherever you're going. Uh, whereas if I'm, and, and you do need to pay close attention, obviously, to traffic yeah. um, and not get too wrapped up, you know, in the story. But uh, I think your story would be incredibly entertaining and thought provoking uh, as people are going wherever they're going. Well, it helps to have you interview uh, and uh, kind of uh, probe uh, what the story, what the kind of the story behind the story. So I always look forward to these uh, opportunities to, to chat with you. <laughs> well, I enjoy having you on the show, that's for sure. So where are we in this whole process um, as far as uh, the the audio, um, you know, just, you know, our, one of the main questions that I had for you, and I, I don't think I've ever asked this, but are they past uh, the ability to retry? Yeah. I, I think they must be. Yes, uh, the answer is yes, and I'm uh, I'm certified by the Florida Bar to teach prosecutors and criminal defense attorneys about this case, and I do quite a bit, and I get their feedback, and I stay current on the law. Uh, the uh, so Kay Kaylee was a ch young child who was not quite three years old when somebody in her family killed her. Uh, there's no doubt about that. It was she was killed in her home by somebody she trusted and who was a member of her family. Uh, absolutely no doubt about it. Her body was immediately left in a field behind the home. And she was there. Uh, her remains were there for six months. And um, and so that was back in 2008 when she was killed. Her tri the trial for of her mother, who was charged with the murder, 
and who faced a death penalty if convicted um, was um, in 2011. And this, uh, now as far as a murder is concerned, actually in Florida, there is no statute of limitations on murder. And she was tried for murder, but acquitted. So she can't be retried because of double jeopardy. However, uh, and as the facts and evidence uh, reveal in the, from the book, another member of her family could be charged with murder. Uh, well, I guess my, one of my questions then would be, your book brings up enough evidence to suggest that they might want to reopen this and charge uh, the, the actual person. Are you in any danger yourself of being sued because you're bringing all of this to the front? Right, that's, that's a question I get quite a bit. Uh, that and uh, the DNA from the medical examiner who, who evaluated Kaylee's uh, remains and all that was left was, was enough to, to evaluate DNA. There wasn't, there wasn't, they really couldn't evaluate trauma or any kind of abuse or, or um, anything like that. All they could was look at DNA. So mm -hmm. that's one of the questions. And then also uh, uh, the, the question of, uh, so could somebody sue me for, for the book? And, and the answer is, well, you can, they can sue somebody, but what the courts do, and I'm, I'm like very familiar with this, the courts don't like to be clogged up with nuisance suits. And so what they have is they have a, an initial hearing to determine if there's a reasonable case based on the law for malicious uh, defamation and mm -hmm. in order for somebody to have standing and to get beyond that initial um, presentation or hearing, they have to convince the judge that there is malicious intent on the part of the writer to uh, to defame or or libel or slander the person bringing the suit. In this case, it would be uh, either George or Cindy Anthony, the parents of Casey. Those mm -hmm. are the only ones who would, who would likely do that. And the malicious element of it is a very high standard. In other words, it's a, it's a, it's a shorthand for um, in knowing something is not true, but saying it anyway. For, for the courts and the legal system, that's what malicious means. Right. So they have to convince the court that I, I was uh, saying anything in the book that I knew was not true and that whatever that was, that caused damage to them. So that's kind of the, the standard and so then my, my answer is a long-winded answer. So I'm not at all afraid be, uh, because there's two things. Uh, uh, the First Amendment is getting a lot of uh, conversation with Elon Musk, with Twitter, with uh, uh, all kinds of... Uh, uh, TikTok. <laughs> yeah, TikTok, right. And, uh, and so, so if I as a reporter uh, or as a journalist, but let's say as a reporter, uh, report what is said in a trial or is said from a court evidence file, then that is protected. Uh, the reason is that the courts do not allow somebody to censor or cancel uh, official evidence in a criminal case simply by saying, well, 
it doesn't make me look good. So even though it was said in a court, I want to sue this person and prevent him or anybody else from reporting it. So the court says, well, that's one side of it. And the other side of it is that reporters have a, have a protection of the First Amendment, especially where court cases are involved. And the, the courts have, have ruled that, um, you, that nobody can go to the court and say, well, stop this reporter from saying what somebody said in court. And uh, if that's what I do, then, no, then I'm protected by that. And so I'm very careful about knowing that. And I study case law about it. And anybody that says, well, here's what was said in the record. And so-and-so said this, nobody can sue me. Uh, the so-and-so who said that in the record uh, can't sue me and, and nobody else can sue me for reporting that. And if, if and so that's protected. Then the other thing is, the other bar is, uh, they, somebody would have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt, or excuse me, with a preponderance of evidence that I knew that wasn't true and I said it anyway. Mm -hmm. So basically, I'm pretty much immune, although anybody could file a suit. The court would review that at the initial hearing and, and say, well, they might say I'm protected because I'm reporting what was said in the court, or there's no grounds to believe that it was intentionally, knowingly false. Right. Okay. Interesting. Um, whatever happened, I mean, do you know what's going on in the lives of those three people? Pretty much. Uh, I've been, uh, so I'm the journalist of record for the case, and um, the uh, people may have heard of the name, and if they've heard of the name, pretty much they have an opinion and knowledge about the case. And uh, um, uh, if you like, I can very briefly go over what the case involved for your listeners, or I can just go into your question, whichever you prefer. Uh, why don't you go over it? Because some of the people that are listening now may never have heard, you sure. know, some of the other shows if they didn't go into the archives. Yeah. Um, the So Casey Anthony was a single mother who got pregnant uh, at age 19, just out of high school, actually, and uh, had a baby. And before the baby became three years old, that baby was killed by somebody in the family. And beyond that, Casey, as the mother, was obviously the person everybody, including law enforcement, went to for answers. So a month passed, and nobody saw her baby uh, because her baby was killed. And uh, so they said, well, listen, you got to tell us what happened. And she made up a story. She lied flat out lied. She said somebody kidnapped the baby. That's why nobody knows. That's why nobody sees her. And mm. so don't ask me anymore. That's what happened. And then the police said, well, by the way, do you have a job? And she said, well, of course, I work at Universal Studios. So the lead detective said, well, let's take a ride over to HR and let's talk to them. And as soon as they knocked on the door at HR, she said, well, you don't have to, you don't have to ask them because I lied. I, I don't have a job and I never had a job uh, for, for the last, since my baby was born. 
So that went on for, so her lying about her job went on for several years while the baby was alive. Then after the baby was killed, she lied about her death, which she knew about, obviously. And uh, also she said, by the way, to law enforcement, uh, the lead detective who was a sex crimes investigator, uh, Yuri Melich is his name in Orlando, very famous um, detective. And uh, he said, well, listen, uh, who is, if, if, if you didn't work, who was watching the baby at all? Or did you watch her? And she said, no, I, I gave her to a nanny for, for almost, well, for over two years. Hmm. And the nanny's name we call Zanny. And uh, it turns out there wasn't a Zanny. There never was a Zanny. And, and so she lied about that. She didn't grieve either. In other words, she carried on as if nothing had happened. A few days after the same week that her daughter was killed, or her two-year-old Kaylee, she went to a party with a new boyfriend and was photographed dancing and having a ball and apparently drinking and not saying anything to anybody and just telling everybody that Zanny had her baby. So that's kind of in a nutshell where it was picked up by the media. So uh, when police were finally notified by her mother, Cindy, the media picked it up and they said, well, look at this, 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 uh, this mother, this single mom is out there partying. She's lying. She didn't grieve. And her two-year-old is dead. Pretty much end of story. And, uh, and she became a cause celeb in the media and for law enforcement as the most evil hated woman in America for all of these reasons. And so that's the way people were introduced to Casey Anthony uh, by media, law enforcement, and her own family. So everybody pointed the finger at Casey and said, you're guilty. For reasons, yeah, for reasons that I just described. Right, right. And today, what is Casey doing? It's very interesting. So she was acquitted by the jury. And uh, I like to point out, because I, I pretty much know everything. So after she was acquitted, she went to, you know, she was in solitary confinement for almost three years, waiting trial. And uh, after she was acquitted, she went to live with a uh, private investigator who was also the private investigator in the O.J. Simpson trial, who, um, who found one of the witnesses had committed perjury and planted evidence against O.J. And that's the reason people don't really aren't too much aware of it. That's the reason O.J. was acquitted uh, because of his investigation. So he was the investigator for her defense team, and he said, look, nobody wants you around. You can't find a job. Why don't you uh, live in my room and my house and just live here? And that's what she did up until recently. And so during that time, I was writing for Harvard um, about this case. And he, he read the article and he started calling me. His name is Pat McKenna. 
And he was on a recent Peacock documentary about Casey Anthony, and he was interviewed. And for me, the most interesting thing he said uh, in that uh, in that documentary was he said, I got to know her parents. And I want to tell you that family is fucked up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so that was uh, it kind of got my attention. But while he when he called me, he called me quite a bit. And I, I made him pretty much call me because I was still reporting. And I didn't want to like uh, solicit anything because uh, that's just the way I worked. And so he called a lot and he put me on speakerphone. And I think she was listening. And um, so that's kind of the way I kept informed. And so she um, she did work for him. He gave her a little money, pocket money, you know, for doing research and, and secretarial work, basically, for all these years. And basically became a he and some of the defense team became a surrogate family for her. And so that's what she's been doing, you know, all this time, never had any more children. And um, so that's kind of like who she is. Uh, I recommended uh, that uh, she get counseling early on in our conversations, uh, which I think you can appreciate. Yes. And um, and so she eventually did. And she doesn't have anything to do with her parents today. Pretty much. Yeah, that is a, a kind of a central issue for her. Um, I should say that I have, so she was, by order of the court, she was evaluated a full psychological eva evaluation by a forensic psychologist appointed by the court. So he spent a hundred hours on her evaluation and 10 hours of person to person interviews. And he is contributing to my book. And we talk quite a bit. And we pretty much finish each other's sentences. Mm. So we pretty much are aligned in, uh, in understanding what, explaining why she behaved that way. Right. And did she kill her daughter? Is he of the same mind as yourself as to who actually did kill Kaylee? Pretty much. Um, and it's, it's pretty obvious from the evidence um, going back to uh, Pat McKenna, the private investigator, so he worked the defense team and he uh, found through his investigation a woman that, that Casey's father, and her, his name is George. Uh, he was a part-time security guy who didn't work more than he worked. And... Um, and didn't contribute much to the family's income or stability. In fact, he stole his wife's life savings, uh, $30,000, immediately after Kaylee was born. Oh. And he filed a divorce. So that kind of is a, a note, a character note about George. So anyway, George was having an affair after Kaylee was killed with a woman he didn't know and uh, he had liaisons at her apartment quite a bit and so pat mckenna interviewed her 
and she told him that he admitted to killing Kaylee. Wow. And the jury was asked after the trial by Greta Van Susteren on air um, why they, how they ever could acquit her. But if they were going to acquit her, who did they think killed Kaylee? Mm -hmm. Their answer was George. Wow. All right, we're going to take a quick pause and then come back and have um, a uh, little recorded uh, portion of this book. But let's pause for a minute for a word from our sponsor. Are you feeling stressed and anxious about life? Have elevated blood pressure? Experiencing weight gain? Having problems with your immune system? Getting healthy and staying healthy is more important than ever, and it has never been easier when you have fundamental nutrition from Boomer Products. Restore the youth and vitality you are used to in just minutes a day. Check out our website at www.boomerboost.com to see thousands of reviews from customers just like you who are benefiting from Boomer Products. While you're there, check out our podcasts, blogs, and videos, and get caught up on the latest health news and information. Use promo code LUCY at checkout. That's L-U-C-Y to save $5 on your order. Stop existing and start living today with Boomer Products. Welcome back to the Synergy Connection Show, and I have as my guest, Keith Long, and we're talking about Zanny the Nanny, which is the new Casey Anthony story. And uh, Keith, you're going to play um, a little excerpt from the recorded book. I wish I had it prepared. I think I can. Um, I think I can summarize it and continue to work and see if I can find the recording. Is that all right? Sure. Sure. Okay. I apologize for that. Um, so, um, so what's interesting about uh, this story is, is first of all about about trauma, about how people deal with trauma, and family relationships, and how they can make choices within those relationships that can affect negatively people in those in that family, let me put it that way. Mm -hmm. And so to me, and especially because of what you do and your audience who's interested in, in uh, the synergy of, of, of uh, personal personalities, relationships, success, and, and uh, being, uh, being uh, honest and, um, and uh, having positive life experiences, all kind of are wrapped up in this this case and i go i should say that uh, i go strictly from the court evidence and tell the story from the standpoint of witnesses talking to law enforcement and um and a couple of things were not known so the, the media and the public became aware of casey and the family after kaylee was killed so they knew uh I should say we knew nothing about this family or the relationships or their synergy uh, uh, before the event, before a murder of a child. And what I discovered was that um, that uh, investigators had evidence that Casey was abused beginning when she was eight years old by George, that Cindy was aware of it, 
and rebuffed Casey's attempt for support to end it. And, and as a result of that, Casey became, and in conversations with the psychologist, Casey became very, uh, she never grew, she never matured as a person. She was always dependent on her mother and protecting her father, who was her abuser. Mm -hmm. And so I talked to, uh, I can ask you actually, if, if that is a common, uh, a common scenario for abuse victims, is that unusual? Uh, when, they're, when they're children, yes. Mm -hmm. You know, not so much if, if it was an adult right. as, as a child. Uh, yes, because, um, you know, in many instances, they feel like they're special. You know, they have to, I mean, she felt loved by her father because she didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. And she didn't feel very loved by her mother. So her choice was, I need to stay with the parent and protect the parent who loves me. I should have you as a contributor to uh, to this story because <laughs> uh, that that does seem to fit. And to I might say that when she got pregnant, uh, she told her father, "Well, guess what, Dad? Uh, I think this is your baby." And that is uh, that provoked a reaction among her between her parents. And one of the reactions with George was to basically get out of Dodge, steal his wife's money and file a divorce for the purpose of getting alimony and a cash settlement from his wife. Right, and I remember when we talked the last time, um, Casey's mother actually, right after she delivered the baby, was there with uh, documents for her to sign to give the baby up for adoption. It's quite unusual, and um, I thought it was quite nasty of yeah. Cindy. Yeah. I mean, uh, she's having the baby, and she says, "By the way, I want you to sign this." Since I, she wanted her to have an abortion, Cindy did. Uh huh. And uh, when Casey wouldn't, uh, she said, "Okay, here's the baby. Now sign this over. I'm going to give her to an anonymous uh, surrogate parent." And the agreement was that you're never to contact them, you're not to know who they are, and nobody could test the baby's paternity. Right, and so she could get the baby out of the picture as quickly as possible. Yeah. At least that might not happen. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, um, and so that informs, you know, what Cindy's motives were uh, and her relationship, I think, with with Casey and also with George, because it, it appeared to me that Kate, that uh, that Cindy was protecting George uh, from charges of incest and abuse and murder. Mm -hmm. And uh, Casey was protecting George for the same thing. Right, right. I mean, you would not, it, it's, it's hard to sort of imagine this, but again, from somebody who's never really matured, like you said, she's still looking at her dad as daddy, not my father. 
And she's seeing him as, you know, this person, like I said, who loves her. So she wants to protect him, even though he is probably the father of the child. And of course, mom knows that and is trying her best to get rid of the evidence, which is Kaylee, <laughs> as fast as she can. What an what an excellent analysis. I mean, it's it 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 echoes the uh, the forensic psychologist who was there in her cell and did this court ordered evaluation, and then reported that almost verbatim to prosecutors in mm. depositions. So that is uh, kudos uh, kudos for uh, Lucy. <laughs> Thank you. I've got a lot of years of working with. Uh, people who have a variety of issues. And uh, I've never had one quite like that, but certainly incest, uh, rape, you know, all of those things. Uh, I had one gal <clears throat> years ago who ended up with 17 different personalities. And I was wondering if that had even happened a little bit, you know, with Casey, because her father was, uh, he had all these charges brought against him down the road, but he was what's called a warlock. And mm -hmm. he had a coven of men who literally sexually abused this young lady from the time she was seven years old until she was almost 15. It's incredible. Yeah. And, and the only way that she protected herself at all was to develop these different personalities that would interact. And uh, so I worked with her for almost two and a half years, which wow. is very unusual when you have multiples because they don't they don't want to be uh integrated they they don't want that they each want their own identity and so usually a therapist is the enemy but for some reason most of them like me so mm -hmm. <laughs> i had a few that didn't but most of them did yeah so, well i mean you, that, that's quite a quite a uh, quite a um what would i say uh quite a attribute for a therapist to have that you can actually break through the resistance of your patients, the natural resistance to face these issues and get them to talk with you. You know, it's, it's a gift. Uh, I mean, I have to acknowledge that because I have been a therapist for almost 40 years now. And so it's a gift. And I think I even had it a little bit in the very beginning uh, of my career. And I was working at Missouri Baptist Children's Home, which I don't even think exists anymore. Um, but it was a place where children were dropped off when parents could no longer financially or physically or emotionally take care of their kids. And some of them they came back to get, but a lot of them they didn't. And um, so that was my introduction to being a therapist was I was there. So I think, you know, some of it um, is some sort of an innate gift that I was given. And some of it is just the variety of experiences over the years that I've had personally, as well as professionally. So, um, so your book is available. They can go to Amazon, right? They can. Uh, well, I, I'm selling it through my website. Uh, Amazon is um, has a lot of restrictions. Uh, um, if you're not an author, you may not be aware of it, uh, but they they limit. Let me put it this way, they they take uh, more than half of the sales price as a royalty and uh, they limit uh, uh, how you can market it uh -huh. and they have a lot of controls uh, that benefit Amazon and so I'm I'm going through independent distributors uh, through my website. 
Okay. All right. That enables me to, to offer it for $4.99 as an audiobook or an ebook uh, for your uh, listeners if they're interested. Sure. And I'm sure there will be um, several that are going to, you know, want to listen to this story for sure. Um, were you able to pull that up at all for the couple of minutes? Of it's, the uh, it's, it's a Wi-Fi issue where I'm located. Um, oh, okay. Well, then we won't have that today. But like you said, the audio is going to be available. You're recording uh, next week. That's right. And uh, by the way, for your listeners, if uh, they'd like to do a, uh, a personal Q&A, about the story, have questions answered or details uh, that they're just interested in, um, they can contact me at my website, journalist on call, and uh, happy to uh, to accommodate them without any cost or any strings attached. Right. Would they um, be able to set an appointment time? Sure. Okay. At, at their convenience. Okay. That works. Um, what are you going to do next? I mean, this project has consumed so much of your life already. It's uh, well, it's so interesting. So there, you talked about um, the 17 um, uh, personalities in re as a result of these all of these men that were abusing uh, the one patient you had. Uh -huh. And there's so much of this that goes on and is suppressed within families. Oh, absolutely. And then also, the, I'm a journalist and I'm a media journalist. And that means I uh, am one of those who criticized the media <laughs> and basically the media missed this story completely yes and so yeah. that's that's another aspect that i'm kind of an evangelist for and uh also you and i definitely are going to be talking about they they mess up so many times yeah and i think they're told what they can say and what they can't say for and sure. so the truth falls someplace in between yeah. And people never hear the truth. They hear either one side or the other side, but they don't really get to the nitty gritty of what is the truth of this matter. Very true. And it's um, it's not by accident. Uh -uh. And also the other thing is that law enforcement had information about George. Uh, he was an ex-cop. And the very first interview he did, I have the um, a transcript. Uh, they said, uh, look, we're going to need a, uh, and Yuri Mellich was the lead detective. He said, look, we're going to need somebody as our primary witness to go to the grand jury to charge your daughter with murder. And that's going to be a capital offense. If she's convicted, she will be executed. And we need somebody to do that. And it's, uh, it's a matter of practice uh, for prosecutors to uh, immunize a chief witness in exchange for such testimony. So he told George, we're not going to prosecute you. And from that day on, the target, uh, and of course they had a reason to believe, you know, the target was low hanging fruit. Uh -huh. They never, uh, they never looked at George and they definitely never looked at Cindy. Uh -huh. So it was all Casey. Oh yeah. 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 Well, our show is over for today. And again, thank you so much for being my guest. I love talking to you. And this story has always been of interest to me just because it did involve, you know, the kind of situation it involved a young, a very young child that was murdered, uh, probably by uh, a member of the family and and you pretty much know who it is. <laughs> so everybody out there, please share the show with others. 
Um, I know you're going to be back on the show with me in about six months. And so we'll go from there. And please, everyone, go out there and make this your very best life. Bye-bye. Boomers Forever Young is really making a name for themselves as an exciting nutritional company with products that really work. People from all over the country are starting to take notice. Their whole person approach to health and wellness, combined with their unique array of powerful natural health products, are setting them apart from all the other companies in the nutrition industry. Their customers love the one-on-one -on -one free consultations and the results they experience. Sound a little too good to be true? Then go online to boomerboost.com today and sign up for a free consultation with a product specialist or just give us a call at 1-800-861-4609. Again, that's boomerboost.com or call 1-800-861-4609 to join the thousands already experiencing the benefits of Boomers Forever Young products.